to the Tide Talk Podcast presented by TideTalkSports.com. Stacey Blackwood here with Ricky Green for a new episode as we kind of discuss the last week of week's matchup with the Mississippi State Bulldogs and that dominating performance. Ricky, how's it going, buddy? Going pretty good, man. Going pretty good. Uh, filmed an episode of Tide Talk for our YouTube channel this morning, kind of doing about what you and I are getting ready to do breaking down the, the Mississippi State game, just kind of a brief recap of that. Um, ready to talk some football here for the next few minutes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just an overall dominating performance by, by Alabama uh, last Saturday night in Tuscaloosa. And uh, if this defense continues to improve, uh, you know, like we've mentioned, they're not playing just juggernauts of offenses, but you know, anytime you shut somebody out, I don't care who you're playing, that's a big deal. I've seen a stat that Alabama, since Nick Saban arrived at Alabama, uh, has more, has 10 more shutouts than the next closest team since 2007. And uh, Alabama has 24, and I believe it was Ohio State who had 14. So that is just an unbelievable stat. Uh, it just kind of speaks to what Nick Saban has built at Alabama and what this program has been about for so many years on the defensive side of the football. Uh, the season didn't start out the way we wanted on that side of the ball, but the last few games, the last 10 quarters have been really special for the Alabama defense. A lot of young guys are playing and uh, they just get better and better with every snap. And uh, it's been a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. You know, um, Mike Leach had been a head coach for 19 years uh, now, Stacy, and never once had been shut out. And Alabama, you know, Pete Golden, often been criticized, was able to put together a game plan defensively and execute to ever shut out Mike Leach in his career as a head coach. So that's a big deal to me. It's something Alabama fans should be excited about regardless. But yeah, yeah, the it's big. Yeah, like like you mentioned, the 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 plan for the defense was exceptional, and then the execution by the players was was exceptional as well. They just just all in all, they put they obviously had a good week of practice on that side of the ball, and the players understood the plan, and then they executed the plan. And you know there was so many guys that played well on that side of the ball. And, you know, they were kind of led by young guys, Malachi Moore, Brian Branch, Will Anderson. You know, th those guys were just fantastic. And, uh, of course, Patrick Sertan Jr. was able to get that pick six late in the game. So glad he was able to make a, you know, a big play like that. And, you know, we've talked about how this defense needs to be opportunistic. Uh, they are. Another freshman that, that is coming on strong is Tim Smith on the, on the defensive line. And, uh, you know, just really exciting to see this young defense uh, starting to gel and starting to execute on that side of the ball. And I'm hoping this is something that's going to continue. Obviously, we're not going to shut out teams the rest of the way. It'll be tough. But uh, good things are happening on that side of the ball. Absolutely. Good things are happening. You know, you're right, though. We What we're seeing is the list of guys that you know are about to be a problem defensively growing uh, there for Alabama. You mentioned Tim Smith. 
He's, you know, the latest of a slew of freshmen that have stepped up and really played above um, where a freshman should be playing right now. You mentioned Malachi Moore. He's been our Tide Talk Sports defensive MVP twice now this season. Um, this morning on the uh, episode I filmed for YouTube, I had uh, Patrick Sertain Jr. as this week's uh, with his pick six. The non-offensive touchdown is a trademark of the best Nick Saban defenses. When that disappears for, for long stretches of time, so goes the defense, it seems. The last couple of years, we have not seen a lot of NOTs, non-offensive touchdowns, but we're starting to see that again, and that's not a coincidence. The better this defense plays and the more comfortable these guys get in their roles, the, the result of that is points on the board, and that just makes it you know that much harder to line up and beat a team like Alabama. If they can match their defense um, from this past Saturday through the rest of the season, like you said, we're not going to shut everybody out. But if they can match that intensity and that preparation and that execution, I think that uh, there's not really going to be a lot that anybody can do to keep number 18 from coming home to Tuscaloosa. Yeah, you know, the, the, the offense is elite. The defense is getting better with each week. And we have a kicker that is now a weapon in Will Rockard. Uh, so that's that's a recipe for a championship team. Uh, we, we mentioned it after the second half of the Georgia game when we shut Georgia out and was dominating that second half, that if this defense continues – to uh, show how they can execute and tackle in space uh, with with Rockard being a, a weapon there at place kicker and with the offense that Alabama has, uh, this team uh, has a chance to be special and has a chance to, to, to bring that college football playoff national championship trophy back to Tuscaloosa. No doubt about it. Stacy. let me ask you a question. You know, we've spent several minutes – here on this episode talking about the Crimson Tide defense and how much better it's got. But I want to go back <clears throat> about three weeks ago there after Alabama came out of the locker room at Bryant-Denny Stadium halftime, the University of Georgia game. I believe it was you in our group chat that we have with the other Tide Talk Sports fellas that noticed pretty quickly that we were starting to play more zone or at least give more zone looks um yeah what do you think is the biggest thing that has changed with this defense that's got them playing so much better do you believe that switch to more zone looks contributes to that it it has in in, in a lot of our zone concepts we we run what's called a man zone or a zone man or whatever you want to call it where you know Malachi Moore, for instance, is playing in a certain zone of the defense, but if a receiver enters that zone, he switches to man-to-man on that person. So it, it simplifies things for, for the defensive backs, which means we're having less breakdowns and, you know, less free, uh, you know, wide receivers running down the field wide open. So the the, the simplifying of the defense is what's helped, and, and a lot of that of play, playing zone and uh, I noticed also this week, more so than other weeks, we kind of let the defensive line 
uh, pin their ears back and just get after the passer instead of just kind of, you know, playing gap control pass rush. So that changed. That allowed guys like Will Anderson and Chris Allen and uh, Phil Mathis and Tim Smith and Barmore to use their athleticism to get after the quarterback and, and cause some errant throws and uh, stuff like that. So it's it's a it's a multitude of things, but but the biggest thing in my opinion is the defense just kind of simplifying things, going to more zone concept scheme, and uh, it just seems like the players are more confident in that. They play a little faster, and uh, you know the skill is there for for these players, but uh, maybe simplifying the defense allows them to play a little faster and, and make some more plays, and I think that's what we've seen the past 10 quarters. Yeah, I have to agree with that, uh, really. You know, it seemed that one of the biggest areas that we struggled with as a defense was communication throughout the game. The play oftentimes was the right play. We had it called at the right time. But I think the breakdown in communication oftentimes yeah. is what led to players standing around looking towards the sideline like, hey, what are we supposed to do? And simplifying that defense, like you said just a couple of minutes ago there, kind of takes out a large chunk of that communication. I think there's less verbiage and communication necessary um, when sure. the defense is simplified, and I think that may be a big factor also. Well, and, and what a lot of teams do, and you notice that, when Alvin plays man-to-man coverage, let's say a team, you know, goes trips left or trips right, whatever the case is, they kind of bunch the receivers up. Alabama will, will – the way Nick Saban likes to do things is we play man-to-man on that according to what route each each of the wide receivers and that bunch formation is running depends on who's going to cover who. So because they run, they like to run pattern, ma- pattern match man-to-man coverage. So you have to have a lot of communication on the field between the players. And when you're playing a lot of young guys, that's just not – they're just not ready for that yet. And – uh offenses had figured that out they they offenses now play with a lot more timing and and rhythm in the short passing game and you know with the rpo and stuff like that so i think getting rid of that and and not playing so much man-to-man and trying to figure out who's going to have who uh it's uh it's simplified things and the defense is playing fast and they're playing physical and they're just uh just reacting instead of uh uh, instead of just kind of wondering what they're supposed to be doing, is that's the best way I can put it. And uh, bravo to Nick for not being too stubborn uh, to change things up when he realized we needed to change some things up. And uh, you know, props to Pete Golden. Uh, he was he was getting slammed a few weeks back after the Ole Miss game, and deserve deservedly so. I mean, he's making a lot of money to coach the defense at Alabama, and they were not performing well, and that's on him. So they've made the changes they needed to make. They've been executing, and now they just need to keep it up for the remainder of the season. Absolutely, man. You know, we kind of spent a few minutes here covering what the biggest differences are in a tangible sense, things that are schematic, uh, stuff kind of of that nature. But just real quick here, I want to kind of talk about things from an intangible sense as well. At least when I look at this defense, the one we saw this past Saturday, there's just a different sort of fire, a different sort of spark that these guys are carrying. I mean, we even saw a normally reserved and quiet 
Dylan Moses nearly getting to a scrap this past Saturday. I think that things are really starting to come together for this defense, not just from a schematic sense or things that you can touch, but with their attitudes and the swag that they're playing with and the fire that they have as well. Well, they're confident now. They're confident in what they're doing, uh, and that allows them to play you know, faster and more physical like we talked about. So, uh, and, and like we mentioned and <laughs> kind of been redundant on it, just the simplifying of the defense has allowed the players to play with with more edge because they're they're not as worried about their job as they are just executing what they know they need to be doing and and just going out there and playing football because we have as good athletes as anybody in the country and when they can just go out there and, and ball uh they're going to do a heck of a job yeah I, I like our chances anytime our guys are playing fast and not yeah. having to overthink things like you said, the athletes, we can match up with Ohio State or Clemson or anybody else on any given day. And um, I like our chances when we're playing ball, you know, just good old-fashioned, simple, see ball, get ball defense, letting our athletes attack and do their jobs. I think that that's when we're the best. And I think that we've that within this year's uh, team, our defensive unit, and I you know, really hope that that translates into continued success throughout the remainder of the regular season and hopefully a trip down to Atlanta here along about December. Yeah. You know, the the, the great thing about this defense is that, it, especially in the performance uh, this past Saturday, it was, it was a complete performance from start to finish and also against the pass and the run. I mean, they only averaged 3.4 yards uh, a completion this last week and they only averaged two and a half yards per carry. So uh, just a all around great performance by the defense, just bravo to those guys. I mean, those kids played hard. Like you said, they, they've got an edge to them right now. I hope that continues, you know, into this bye week as we head into play LSU in a couple of weeks, which we'll talk about that later on down the road and, and how, you know, things could get ugly there for LSU and Baton Rouge. But but more on this game here, the offense. Let's talk a little bit, a little bit about the offense. We bragged on the defense. They did a great job. But the offense, once again, puts up big numbers, almost 300 yards passing, a little over 200 yards rushing, just a dominating performance uh, from the offense. And Mac Jones and Devontae Smith and Najee Harris and even a guy like Trey Sanders was able to show what – what the coaching staff has been talking about for two years now, uh, this guy is, is special. He's got a little bit more juice than what Najee or Brian Robinson has, and uh, I don't think it's going to be too long until Trey Sanders busts one against somebody, and I think it's going to happen sooner rather than later. I'd have to agree there 100%. Uh, our offense, you know, surprisingly so, I'll admit, if I stood here six weeks ago and told you that I thought we'd be averaging almost 50 points a game, I would have been lying to you. I've, uh, you know, I thought we would have a good enough offense, but I did not expect anywhere near the level of not just explosiveness, but consistency that we have seen from this offense. The balance is incredible, and I'd be completely remiss if I didn't at least mention Coach Kyle Flood and his offensive line 
uh, group for this season. Alabama's had some really good run blocking lines in the past, and we've had some really good pass blocking lines in the past. But I don't think we've had a unit throughout the entire Nick Saban era <clears throat> that was really head and shoulders better at both than this group. And uh, Coach Flood deserves a tremendous amount of credit for that, in my opinion. Yes, the offensive line is the catalyst of, of this team and on the offensive side of the ball and uh, led by, I mean, really it's hard to say who they're led by because there's every one of them have just played outstanding football this, this year. And, uh, you know, Evan Neal was one of the players of the week mentioned by Alabama. He had a fantastic game. The pass protection is just incredible. Uh, Mac usually has a day and a half back there to, uh, to, to find – an open wide receiver, and there's been plenty of those lately. Uh, so, yeah, just, just props to Kyle Flood and that entire offensive line. And, uh, you know, we, we talked about in the preseason how this offensive line was uh, a Joe Moore war capable. So, uh, and for right now, if I think if the war was given right now, it, it, would, be, it would be given to Alabama's offensive line. I think you're right on right on cue with that, uh, Stacy. Right now, I don't think there's another offensive line. Um, haven't seen enough out of Ohio State's offensive line yet. The sample size is still too small. The other lines that people thought were going to be really good in the SEC, even though a couple of them, like Kentucky, uh, have been good, they maybe haven't been as dominant as some thought they would be. But Alabama's offensive line has been absolutely dominant. And one of the biggest things, you know, you talked about the leaders, guys like Alex Leatherwood and uh, Landon Dickerson, the veterans that we have on that line. But we've watched Emil Echior grow up right before our eyes the past three or four weeks. And Emil Echior is finally starting to play like a full-grown man on that offensive line as well. Um, these running backs and Mac Jones have to be thrilled to death with the, the potential that this offensive line has moving forward. Yeah, most definitely. They've, they've, they've really played well. And like you mentioned, Emil Echior was kind of the new guy there on that offensive line. And it did take him a game or two to, to, to gel with those other players. And once he did, uh, he's, he started to, uh, to pancake a few fellas every now and then. And he shows that, that, uh, that NFL lineage that he has in his blood and, that DNA he has to be an elite football player, and uh, that offensive line is just a special group. And uh, you know, and shout out to uh, to Mac Jones. You know, we we've talked about him all year, but you know, he kind of started out a little slow. He was a little off there to start the game, but he you know he fought back and made some great throws. And Devontae Smith stepped up in the absence of Jalen Waddle, and it'll be interesting to see how that kind of unfolds the rest of the season and who kind of takes on a, more of that. Jalen Waddle role. Uh, that's going to be something to watch the second half of this season. But back to Mac Jones real quick. Uh, Todd McShay was part of the broadcast this last week, and of course we all know that he he works uh, on mock drafts all the time. And he went from not being one of the twelve quarterbacks ranked in the preseason by Todd McShay to to being the fifth ranked quarterback right now uh, according to his big board. So uh, Mac has just flown up the the draft boards. Uh, really excited for that. He's he's thinking he's a day two pick right now, which is probably second or third round. So just really excited for Mac and what he's been able to accomplish so far. And 
and you know Max seems to be his biggest critic. He seems to to have a tremendous drive to be the best, and uh, I think I don't think we've seen the best from Mac yet. I think I think we're fixing to see Mac continue. I think this bye week is coming at a great time. I know we're going to touch on that bye week here in a few minutes, but I think the bye week is coming at a good time for Mac. Uh, he's coming off of a performance where he wasn't bad. He was actually really good, but it wasn't up to his standard. And I think that's, that's a great thing to have going into a bye week. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do uh, coming back against LSU. Yeah, no doubt about it. That's uh, at least in my book, the biggest game of the season so far. I know Alabama, Georgia was a heavyweight fight, but, uh, to be quite honest with you, after Ed O pulled his little shenanigans in the locker room last season, I feel like we owe LSU one. And I think that our team, the guys that put on those crimson jerseys would probably agree with that. And I think that you're right about the bye week. <clears throat> and we can go ahead and lead on into talking about that for a few minutes here. But also I want to mention Mac Jones is now, according to some of the top Heisman polls that are out in the country right now is leading the race for the Heisman Trophy this year. Who would have thought, you know, prior to the season that we'd be talking about Mac Jones leading the Heisman Trophy race at any point during the season? That's pretty incredible to me. Yeah, Mac, Mac has just been fantastic and we're, we're proud that uh, he's been able to, to kind of take over the Heisman Trophy race right now. Of course, some of that has to do with, with the fact that Trevor Lawrence missed last week and he's going to miss this week against Notre Dame, their biggest game of the season. So that is something to watch outside of Alabama, uh, you know, possible college football playoff implications there. Uh, but uh, he heading into the bye week here, you know, we got some guys nicked up. LeBron Ray, you know, the guy who was playing the best up front of the defensive line the first part of the season. He's been out the past couple games. Uh, Saban wanted to hold him out again this week to give him this week and then the bye week off to be fully recovered uh, for that LSU game in Baton Rouge in a couple weeks. So just overall, the bye week comes at a good time. we got a few guys here and a few guys there that are just nicked up. Nobody's really injured severely other than Waddle. So it's good to get these guys healthy, uh, kind of get their focused or get refocused here, kind of. Get, go back to some of the small things they can work on. And uh, just I, I enjoy the bye week. I, I miss Alabama football, but I enjoy it because we get to see the team kind of kind of hit the reset button or the pause button, however you want to look at it, and kind of get, get healthy again and then get ready for, uh, for LSU because that's usually our opponent after the bye week. Absolutely. It's a time when – the guys, like you said, that are beat up and nicked up, we've been pretty fortunate uh, other than, you know, Jalen Waddle, Of course, that hurt. You can't even really put into words how much that hurts, losing a guy like Jalen Waddle. But other than that, we've been very fortunate uh, injury-wise so far throughout the first six weeks of this season. We had an injury-free fall camp for the most part. Uh, LeBron Ray, if he gets back healthy and, and – refreshed and everybody gets refocused I think that we'll see a continued progression from this defense and the bye week gives us an opportunity to 
kind of coach some fundamental things for a couple of days that get put on the back burner during the season when you're spending all your time game planning for a specific op opponent, uh, Stacy, You don't always have time to really get back into the fundamentals and not having a full camp or a spring camp. You lose a lot of that. So the bye week presents us with a chance to continue to clean up some of the little things that we need to clean up. Uh, our tackling looks much better. That's one of the biggest fundamental differences I've seen the past couple of weeks. Guys are breaking down, making tackles in the open field. Um, so back to basics for a couple of days. Clean some little things up and get everybody healthy. Ronald Williams Jr. is another guy that I would mention um, that has been injured. He's back playing some now watching to see if he'll have a role on this defense as he comes back from his injury. And um, just really excited about seeing this team come back refreshed and refocused after this bye week in what surely will be a payback game against LSU um, two Saturdays from now. Yeah, absolutely. I, I have little doubt that uh, – or I have no doubt, I should say, that the Alabama players have had this game circled since last November. So, uh, like you mentioned, we all know what happened in the locker room after LSU got the win. And uh, I don't think Alabama's forgot. I don't think the coaching staff has forgot. The players haven't forgot. And the fans certainly have not forgot what happened in the locker room with that Orgeron and some of his players and the way some of his players left the field talking at recruits and – and, and, and all that. So it's just, uh, it, I think this has been a, a 365 day. I know it's not exactly to the day, but, you know, pretty much a, a whole year worth of uh, frustration is, is getting ready to be uh, taken out here in a couple of weeks in Baton Rouge. And we certainly look forward to that. Before we let y'all go, uh, we just want to thank everybody for the support. Last week, we were able to, uh, to surpass the 1,000 subscriber mark on our YouTube channel that Ricky takes care of, and he's done a fantastic job with that, and we certainly appreciate him taking the time to do that, and we appreciate everybody that's, that's subscribed to the channel and watched the videos. Uh, he does a great job with those, and we certainly appreciate that support. Uh, Ricky, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about the channel and what they can expect you know, over the next couple of weeks leading into LSU? Absolutely. Like Stacy said, we surpassed our goal of a thousand subscribers and that's a big, big deal to us. Uh, a lot of you know about our website, toddtalksports.com, where we provide premium coverage of Alabama athletics. And we're talking all of Alabama athletics and it's free for Alabama fans everywhere. And we want to keep it that way uh, as long as we possibly can and grow in this YouTube channel is one of the biggest ways that will allow us to be able to keep that site uh, with no subscriptions uh, for Alabama fans for a long time into the future. The, the, the channel is the Alabama Football News and Rumors channel on YouTube. We're in a partnership with Chat Sports. They've been fantastic uh, in their help building and setting up that channel for us. We got it rolling now. You're looking at three to five, six videos a week, every week, all year long. We'll be here bringing fresh content. If you haven't subscribed already, 
hit that subscribe button. Tell all your family and friends that are Alabama fans about the channel. We want to be the number one source on the internet, on social media, and on YouTube for Alabama athletics, point blank period. That's our goal. And I think that we can get there. We just need the support of our listeners. Go and hit that subscribe button now and join us on our YouTube channel. Check us out online at tidetalksports.com. And uh, we'll be all over social media as well. I appreciate everybody that has joined the, the Tide Talk Sports family already. We're just regular guys with an extraordinary opportunity to do what we love to do. And we want to share that with as many people as we possibly can. So jump on there and hit that subscribe button for us. I'll have uh, videos rolling out all throughout the bye week leading up to that big revenge game uh, that's looming two weeks from now against LSU. Like I said, three to five, six videos a week sometimes. Fresh content constantly turning out. And we want everybody to be able to enjoy that. And we hope to see everybody join us there. Yeah, man, absolutely. We appreciate what you do on our YouTube channel. Uh, also, subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you listen to us on, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pod, whatever podcast platform you listen to us on. Subscribe to us. Leave us a five-star review. We certainly appreciate that. Ricky, I don't have anything else to add, man. It's been great catching up with you on Alabama's dominating performance against the Mississippi State. And if you don't have anything else to add, I'm good to go. I'm good to go on my end, buddy. A big roll tide to everybody. We appreciate you greatly, and we look forward to talking to you. We'll see y'all next time. All right, everybody. We'll talk again soon. Roll tide. Roll tide.